0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, hey, we're gonna start a new teaching series today called, well, it's right here on the screen, behind me, The Power of Vision. And we're gonna talk about vision for um, six, eight weeks. Then it'll be uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then in January, give you a heads up here, we're gonna do the Book of Acts. And we're gonna go through that book. It's a long book, so it'll take nine years, but don't worry, we'll shorten it. <laughs> okay, hey, vision is an incredible thing. And as the title of this series, The Power of Vision, And when we have a vision, it actually propels us to the future. So let me give you a couple examples. A high school freshman stays up late at night shooting baskets in his driveway with the yard light on and the thump thump of the ball bothers the neighbors. None of you have had this happen before. And then uh, why? Because he wants to make the team. That's his vision, he's envisioning that. A high school girl, she's a senior, goes early to soccer practice. She stays late kicking balls. Why? Because she envisions playing college soccer, and therefore she puts in all the time in the world. A 35-year-old mom stays up late at night cracking the books studying to be a nurse. That's what she's doing. The kids are in bed. She's tired. She stays up late studying. She wakes up early. Why? Because she has the vision of becoming a nurse. There's a vision to that. Or if you're a 67 year old retired person, you need to have a vision for your life. And so the 67 retired guy, he goes, I'm gonna go back to work. Not because I necessarily need the money right now, although that's nice, but he had a vision for something. He had a vision that he would pay for his grandkids to go to private school. So he's socking that money away that he's making for his grandkids, that's the vision that he has. So vision is a powerful, powerful thing. And vision is something that I think everyone can have. Do you have a vision for your life? It's powerful. So uh, all through the Bible we see people with vision, with a vision for the future. King David had a vision to build a temple. Nehemiah had a vision to build the wall. The Apostle Paul had a vision to reach Gentile people with the gospel. That's what he lived for. That was his ministry as well. We're going to look at a story from the Old Testament about about Moses. I love this story. And Moses has led the people out of Egypt. And I need to give you the background before we read the scripture so that you're not kind of lost with me. And and I want you to be clear today. So Moses is leading about 2 million people out of Egypt. And we have uh, the 10 plagues that Moses is uh, a part of, and God puts these plagues on Pharaoh, and Pharaoh eventually says, get out of here. And Moses is going to lead these people, and they escape out of slavery. And they get to the Red Sea, and it's not looking good, and the water parts, they all go across, and then Pharaoh's army gets trounced there at the Red Sea. and And then all the people go to this mountain place where Moses goes to the top and gets the Ten Commandments, and and a few extra ones along the way, they got more than ten, and that's where they have this. Uh, they had a stupid attack, and they created a golden idol, golden calf, and uh, they had to deal with that. Well, eventually they go from that mountain, and they go to what we call the Promised Land, and they're at the at the at the front door of the Promised Land. They're at, they're right there to enter this Promised Land, and the Promised Land is the land country of Israel. And God had promised Abraham, that land is going to be yours and your descendants. And so Moses is leading them there. So when I use the term promised land, we're talking about an actual place. And so Moses is leading them there, and God says, Hey, I'm going to give you this land, and it's going to be yours. So if you follow along, here's the big idea of what we're talking about today we must courageously follow God's vision. God gave Moses some detailed instructions about what to do on this next step to get to the promised land. In fact, the promise is so certain that they take a coffin with them through the desert. So basically, they're camping. They're out in tents for 18 months. And they take a coffin. And the coffin has the bones of Joseph. Joseph had lived... Hundreds of years before that, but they put his bones in a coffin because he wanted to be buried in the promised land. And so it was kind of like this, hey, little kid says, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, why are we carrying a coffin around the desert on a camping trip? Well, that's Joseph Bones, and we're going to bury them there. It's so certain that we're going to get there. We're carrying them with a done deal. We're going to bury them there. Done deal. I I got to thinking, would I want to carry a coffin around on a camping trip? That would be... That would be weird, but that's what they did. That's what they did. So let's look at the passage. It's Numbers 13, um, verse 1. It's on the screen. You can open your phone and do it the biblical way and scroll through. Find the right spot. Okay, here we go. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan. That's the land mass of Israel. Which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And then the following verses talk about all the people they sent. And it gives a list of names. So they sent in 12. It's like a scouting trip. They're trying to get a feel for things. Hey, what's it like over there? This is where we're headed. This is our vision. Okay, let's flesh this out a little bit. Number one, vision compels action. See, a vision for your life, you've got a vision for your life. It's not necessarily uh, that you're satisfied with the status status quo. You wanna go somewhere else. This is where I am today. This is where I wanna be. That's our vision. For some of you, it might be, hey, I wanna go to college. I want to graduate with this degree. I wanna launch into this career field. Maybe you wanna switch careers. Maybe it's this, you know, you have a, that, that would be vision. Some people would say a vision with no action is just daydreaming. Any daydreamers here? Just daydream about where you want to be in life? But if you don't have any action, you're just going to be daydreaming. Now then I know a lot of people that are really, 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 really doers. They're full of action. But if they don't know where they're going, they're just you know, spinning their wheels in activity. But it's a powerful thing when you take vision with action. And when that happens in your life, incredible things begin to happen, very exciting things begin to happen. And that's what we're gonna see today as well because you can have vision, but it's meaningless if you don't have action. If you have a lot of action without knowing where you're going, well, that's meaningless as well. Let me give you some, a couple quick ideas just from my world. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was sitting in a meeting with a bunch of pastors, well, five or six, and uh, we were talking about this ministry called Every Child. And every child is a focus upon, it's a Christian ministry that focuses upon foster kids and helping kids who go into foster care. And so I'm listening to all this and I'm going, I'm all in. You ever one of those moments? That's we're doing that. And I volunteered all of you to help. So so we were in that meeting and they need to get it launched. And I'm with some guys, and I said, I'm gonna. I'm going to donate one of my employees at church to the cause. We're going to pay their salary to help get it launched for the next six months. Then I came back to church and told the employee they were no longer employed here. (laughs) What? No, 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 no. It'll be a good thing. You're coming back, but we're going to loan you. We're going to pay your salary while you go. It's k So We're going to pay for you to help launch this Every Child because because I heard all these stories about foster kids who come to the DHS offices and sometimes they have to stay there all day to get placed. I mean, that is a travesty waiting to happen. Or they would have to sleep there for long periods of time. That is ridiculous. And so we started recruiting people to be foster parents or people who could provide respite care for foster parents because that's exhausting and we're all in on that. In fact, DHS needed a bunch of offices remodeled. I think we did a half a dozen of them, spending thousands of dollars. So Kay Musto walks into my office this week. She goes, "See, hey, I got it right here. I wrote it down." Steve, those rooms need to be uh, refreshed." I said, "Really? After ten years?" Okay. <laughs> All the toys are broken. We're going to buy new toys, so we're going to throw the old ones out and put new toys in it's fantastic then some new furniture was purchased we need to get it all rearranged in those rooms it's fantastic and we need to clean those rooms need to be cleaned up I said great she goes it's going to cost some money I said how much five hundred dollars a room maybe seven hundred I said we're in how many rooms six guess what we're paying for it (laughs) that that would be all of you okay all right so anyway you just gotta you just gotta give now (laughs) And, but guess what, that's just money, that's just money, we need volunteers, that's where the rubber hits the road, right, so that's vision, because I can see it, I can see, can you see it, that we have a great reputation with an organization in our community that is pretty significant of all things, that organization, October 22nd, 8 to eleven four to six people, here's another one, a mom came to see me years ago I want to start a ministry to moms I said okay what does that mean she goes well it looks like this I said bring me a plan next week she brings me a plan go, wow she was a retired Air Force captain with kids at home she had a plan <laughs> go, wow this is okay let's what do we do next we're doing that I said okay she had a vision for it we said go for it go for it so at our moms of greats group sometimes as many as 40 moms come Last week, they had 16 kids that needed child care, right? Or summer camp. We send kids to summer camp here. Why? Because we have a vision for that, and we know that kids' lives can be changed forever at summer camp. And so what do we do? We take action steps in that direction to make sure that kids get to summer camp. We're all in on that kind of stuff. I want to see us start Celebrate Recovery. It's a fantastic ministry to those who have addictions. We need more volunteers. We need more we need more leaders for that we have a vision for that we're taking action steps it's it's the ball is starting to roll can you help us with that see us at the tables here's what i want to read that verse again can we go back to that verse 13 1 there we go thank you he says uh send some men to explore the land of canaan which here's the phrase which what i am giving you who's done a given there It's not Moses, it's God. And when they get there, God is saying to them, it's yours, go and take it. It's certain, take an action step. I am giving this to you. Here's what happens next. It's not gonna work out so well. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev, that word means south, the south part of the land, and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It's a season for grapes. So they've been camping a long time, and they're like, man, bring us back some fresh produce. We've been eating this quail and manna, if you're familiar with the story. So that means frosted flakes every day in the morning with quail meat. That's, the get tired of that. So then here's what happens. Verse 23, when they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of of them carried it on a pole between them if it takes two people to carry one sprig of grapes those are huge you go to albertson's you go to walmart food you buy a few grapes they just fit in your hand these grapes are huge the 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 cluster of grapes is so heavy they had to put it on a pole this is fantastic place they probably said thought I'd died and gone to heaven look at these grapes the food and I got some pomegranates and figs and that place was called the valley of Eshcol because the cluster of the grapes the Israelites cut off from there and then they walked around and explored for 40 days you know when you have a vision sometimes you got to research you got to send out a scouting team you got to collect the right information right but along the way number two you anticipate hurdles there will be hurdles to your vision. So here's what happens next, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account, "We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does not and it does flow with milk and honey." Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. So they're saying, hey, yeah, it was good, but... But... Here's the downside. Then in verse 30, Caleb, he's one of the positive. So we have 12 spies go in. 10 say, don't go. They're negative ninnies. Two say, let's go for it. Joshua, who ends up being the general of the army, and Caleb. They say, let's go for it. It's a good thing. Let's go for it. Caleb signs the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great in size. We saw the Nephilim. that were giants in the Old Testament. The sons of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So here we have a large group of people, maybe two million, on the very cusp of getting into the promised land. The vision is there. It's there. God said, I'm giving it to you. And you got 10 people coming back saying, Oh man, we don't want to do that. We're going to die. It's not going to be good. And you have kind of these two reports coming out. You have the 10 giving this report about how bad it is, and they're cynical, and you have two saying, hey, we believe in God, and we need to do this, and they say, let's go for it. We can take that place. So the ten are very pessimistic. I mean, the people there look like they're on steroids. They're, they're giants in the land. Caleb said, let's go for it. Let's go for it. We can do it. You know, it's very interesting to me that they come out of Egypt, and they see all the miracles of God, and they get right to... I mean, they saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw the ten plagues. They saw all those things, and they get right there, and then they it out. They it out right at the last moment as well. The Nephilim were there, the giants of the Old Testament from Genesis 6. Now, it's very interesting to me. I read this from a commentary. He says, the majority report glosses over what Moses actually said. They answer him in this order. They answer him about the land, hydrology, agricultural potential, urbanization, and population. Sounds like a uh, city planner. They match the abundant grapes with the giants of the population. They skew everything to be negative. Even though the 10 spies are picked because of their integrity, they violate their mandate by deliberately distorting the data, the data to effectively persuade people it can't be done. We're scared, we're not gonna go in. That's what those scouts do. And it's really interesting to I me. Mean, some of these places that they're supposed to have all these people are just dry as a bone desert. Hardly anybody lives out there. They could have taken that easily, they could have sneezed and taken that land. No, Moses never asked for the size of the people or any of those kinds of things. He didn't say, How tall are the people who live there? Didn't say that. Majority report says the land is good, everything is fortified, the people are like giants. We're like grasshoppers. They'll devour us. They're cynical. And then they say this, we want to go back to Egypt. Caleb, he silences everybody. He says, that's not what we're doing. He says, let's do it. God is with us. He's giving us this land. Trust God. Here's the problem. So the people have been living in Egypt 430 years. They are thoroughly Egyptianized. They've been worshiping Egyptian gods. They've been sacrificing to idols. They've forgotten the one true God who made promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. They were unfamiliar with the true God of the scripture. So God removes them from Egypt physically and places them right there at the promised land. But the problem is, Egypt was still in their hearts. They were still thoroughly Egyptianized inside their hearts. And they they had not learned how to worship God as well. Egypt is still in their hearts. It's kind of like this, and, and some of you will identify this. You spent years running away from God. You spent years doing your own thing, trapped in addictions, trapped in selfishness. You've been living this way over here for maybe years. And so now you're in this new place in life, and it's really difficult for you because that old way has still permeated your thinking, right? And it just skewers everything because you're feeling very insecure about your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And so you're having a tough time. I really sympathize with that. You spend a lot of time drinking and other things and, and addictions and substance and anger, selfishness, money was everything to you, and now you're over here. Oh, what an adjustment. That's that's like the that's like the Israelites at this point. They worship like Egyptians, they talk like Egyptians, they walk like egyptians (laughs) yeah kind of like this yeah that's what they do they have a slave mentality they've been historical records show us that they've been building canals and buildings for the egyptians and forced labor all of those kinds of things moses leads them out physically but in their core they're still having difficulty and they begin to think like Egyptians and they can't shake it, can't shake it as well. Let's talk about some of these hurdles. So number one is fear. Hey, God wants me to be here. I'm afraid, that's gonna be painful. I don't wanna apologize. I don't wanna do this. There's something, you're you're headed in this vision direction. Very difficult, right? Very very different, you're, you're afraid. I wanna say this. Don't live by your feelings. Live by the truth of God. Don't live by your feelings. We all have feelings. Fear is a feeling. Live by faith. Jesus, you know, I think there are about 375 places in the Bible that it says, don't be afraid. One for every day. Don't be afraid. Don't live by your fear. Jesus encountered that many times people were afraid. afraid of the storm, the disciples. Mary and Martha, afraid that Jesus didn't come for four days. You have all these accounts in the life of Jesus where people are afraid. And, and Jesus tells them, hey, don't be afraid. Live by faith. Live by faith. Don't, don't listen to your fears. There will be times in your life where you're thinking about your vision in life. Hey, I want to do this for my life. Here's what's next. And you'll have some fear about that. And what happens is all we see is problems. You don't have to solve all your problems in order to get moving on your vision. I want you to think about the space program. I was just thinking about this. John Kennedy, well before I was born. And uh, he says, we're going to send a person to the moon. Well, he didn't know anything about sending people to the moon. Got there's all these problems to solve. But they solved them. They said, that's the vision, that's where we're going. So don't start with the problems, you start with the vision, is what you do. If you're waiting for something perfect, hey, I'm not gonna go back to school, I'm not gonna start my own business, I'm not gonna do this, and I'm gonna wait for perfect conditions, guess what? There are no perfect conditions. There just aren't. It's kind of like this. Hey, should we start a family? I don't know if it's a good time to get pregnant. I don't know. Is there ever a good time to get pregnant? So Mary and I got married. Nine months, four days later, our first child was born. Nine months, four days later, our lives were changed. Did we plan that? No, no. I guess God has a sense of humor, right? One day I was sitting in my office and we were it was 2004 or five and we were going to expand our church add a whole bunch of space out here very big project and I got the phone with my financial consultant he said Steve you're not going to be able to finish the project you're only going to get 50 percent of the funds needed I said, okay I hung up the phone had about 30 minutes of moping and my own personal pity party and. Thinking, oh man, oh, I've made such a huge mistake and oh, it's going to be awful. I think this is God's project, it's not the Steve Hill project. It's your project. God's in it. And if God's in it, then God's going to provide. So he said, You're only going to get $700,000 and we needed $1.3 million. Actually, and it ended up being $1.8, but guess what? It all got provided. All of it. Because God does big things. Don't let fear get in the way. Here's the second thing, fatigue. I saw a few people today that looked a little tired. Some of you stayed up late to watch the football game. It was over at halftime. You didn't have to keep watching that thing. They crushed them. It was a beat down, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you get tired. Here's one of the lessons I've learned. When you are tired and fatigued, don't make important decisions. Just don't do that. When I'm sitting in I know it's hard to believe I go to a lot of meetings. But when I have meetings at night, and it gets to a certain point, I'm like, don't make a decision. Because we're tired. Talked it to death. Don't make decisions when you're fatigued. Just think of the people here. Two million of them. They are uh, wandering around the desert on an 18-month camping trip. I can only do 18 hours. They're 18 months. How would you like to have your kids in tents? traveling around the desert for 18 months going are we there yet mom are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet you're like no 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 not yet (laughs) and you're so tired that so they arrive I can kind of understand you finally get to to the place you're just about there and you're just your energy is gone it's like doing an obstacle course you've gone over the 10-foot wall and you're like oh I'm so exhausted don't know if I can keep going Elijah was like that in the Old Testament. One of the prophets, he did battle with the prophets of Baal and he wins and he's exhausted and he goes to a cave and he goes, God, I'm so tired. It's only me against everybody else. He has his own moment there in the cave. God goes, hey, you're not the only one. Suck it up. No, he didn't say that. Steve will paraphrase That's what he said. Hey, you're not the only one. That's what our God does. When we're fatigued, he gives us energy. He gives us stamina. And that's what we need as well. Fatigue is a dream buster. Here's another one. Finances. Here's what sometimes happens in organizations. They open up the books. This is my Bible, but... And then they start thumbing through going, hmm, here's our status. Let's get that spreadsheet open up over here. And nope, can't do it. That's what, no offense to anybody, but bankers and accountants do that. (laughs) Nope, can't do that. (laughs) Nope, no money for that. Can't do that. Now, I'm all for stewardship. Tightwad Steve, I think stewardship, I really do. But there comes a point in life where you go, I'm all in. We're going to do that. God will provide the finance. I don't know how. He will. God will do that. In 1980, this church was started. I wasn't here. And um, maybe a few of you in the room were here then, 42 years ago. And then at one point, they were, ha- they were uh, having a, a difficult time financially. And board members, the leaders of the church, mortgaged their houses to pay for the first building on this property. Who does that? Who does that? Well, people who have great faith in the vision. A few years ago, one of those founders who no longer lives here stopped by the church and I was talking to him out in the HR, i never met him. And he says, all of us who were here back then, 40 years, they're retired, moved away. He goes, we love it that it's still accomplishing the original vision. We love that. Don't let finances get in the way. Now, some of you are asking, I wonder if they got paid back. (laughs) You're thinking that, right? And the answer is yes, yes, absolutely. Number three, sabotage occurs when the vision is frightening. Big vision. We're entering this problem. We're like, it's huge it's scary years ago I was, I was uh, a gentleman stopped me can I have lunch with you I said yeah yeah so we went out to lunch and he goes Steve he was pulling my leg he goes we're leaving the church uh, and we don't want to be here anymore I'm like whoa he goes it's all because of your preaching and I went oh and then he goes no it's a good thing our daughter's getting divorced in another state they need child care it's a wreck my wife and I because of your preaching have decided that God is telling us we need to move and support our daughter. So we quit our jobs, and we bought a new house, and we're moving. And thank you so much for challenging us to follow after God's vision for our life. I was like, I thought maybe I offended them. And then about a month or two later, he calls me on the phone. And he said, hey, Steve, want to let you know that we landed jobs. I said, of course you did. God was in it, God was in it. Sometimes we take amazing risks, but sometimes the vision can be so frightening. Hey, we gotta quit our jobs and move somewhere else to help support our daughter and our grandkids. And that's a frightening thing. Here's what happens next. Numbers 14, that night, all the members of the community, that's like a million people, raised their voices and wept out loud and posted it on social media. That's what would have happened today. <laughs> All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. I did a little research on this word grumbled in the Bible. Every time you come, against, come across the word grumble, it's always bad news. Always bad news. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we died in Egypt. That's my whiny voice. Or if we died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land, only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Are they nuts? Yes. Wanna go back and be to that? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, scroll down to verse 10 if you're in your Bible. It says, But the whole assembly talked about stoning them to death. They're gonna kill Moses. How about that? I read that and I go, they've gone bonkers. They're going to kill Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb? We want to go back to Egypt. This is what you call spiritual failure. Spiritual failure. And what happens is that they fail to go into the land and obey God for the vision. Even though it says clearly God is giving it to them says that clearly right god is giving it to them and what happens is when we fail we begin to blame others and if you've failed personally in your life spiritual failure you haven't followed through with god and then you maybe blame your spouse or you blame your parents or you blame your teachers you're your sunday school teachers or your pastor or somebody else and eventually you blame god eventually you blame god God, they want to stone them to death. How incredible is it? I've learned the hard way over the years that when people experience failure, they normally blame others. Even Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam was quick to blame Eve for the problems they encountered. Now, here's the solution to all this. Number four, replace fear with following, replace fear with following following as well so let me explain that let me ask you a question first so you have 10 people who are negative ninnies hey we're not doing this too frightening got problems here you have two people saying yes are you more like the 10 or are you more like the two personally where are you and let me ask it another way which do you want to be now, I know all of you are going to say, oh, we want to be like the positive examples, Joshua and Caleb and Moses. We want to be like them. But who are you right now? And in our culture, where everything seems to be, we don't want to hear anything about Jesus. In fact, don't talk about your faith. Don't live for God. Just take some Christian sedation medicine and chill out. Don't talk about Jesus keep that to yourself You've got to have some courage here that we're afraid But we need to follow after God that's what we need to do, very difficult situation so Joshua and Caleb they're there to go into the promised land and this let me tell you what happens here so every adult who said to God we're not going into the promised land they all died And they wandered around the desert for 38 and a half years, to be precise. And they all died in the desert. And their kids got to go into the promised land. Their kids, along with Joshua and Caleb, the two were faithful. I love this verse. It's what happens later on to the life of Caleb, Joshua chapter 14. Caleb says, I was, Caleb says this, I was 45 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Now notice this next sentence. I, however, followed, there's the word followed, Followed the Lord my God. How did he follow? Wholeheartedly. Everything in his fiber of his being, following the Lord his God. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have, second time we see the word followed, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this, to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I want to say the old folks in the room. I don't know the definition of old. The older we get, the less less we risk. See, when you're 20 and you feel like God is leading you somewhere, you just go. What do you got to lose? You don't have any money in the bank account. And then when you hit 40 all of a sudden wow I, i'm married now and i got a couple kids and i got a mortgage pastor steve at 38 percent or whatever it is today <laughs> i got a mortgage so what do you do you risk your your risk goes down and then you get to a certain age you get older you're very risk adverse well i i got a i got i got my retirement my nest egg you know, you're just kind of, not Caleb. I want to be Caleb. He's 85, and he's still hammering away at this. That's Caleb. Now I lost my place. <laughs> then, verse 13, Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jep- I don't my glasses on. Jephunai, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunai and the Kenizzite, ever since because he... Third time, followed the Lord, the God, wholeheartedly. I believe that the Christian life is full of taking risks. The Christian life. Because God has given us a big vision. God has given you a vision for your life. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you know what God's vision for your life is? Are you living that out? Do you need to pray about that? You need to be thinking about that. Maybe it's brand new for you. You need to think about that. Where's my life going? I think about that in the context of our church. Where's our church going? For years, we've been emphasizing love people where they're at, help them follow Jesus. A lot of emphasis on love people where they're at. But we're going to enter into a season of really a little bit more effort into help people follow Jesus. We call that discipleship. We'll talk more about that as we go. Anybody here been to Disney World? I'm just going to take a little thing. Anybody? A few people? Okay. Wow, a lot of people. I've never been. So the story is told of Mike Vance. I think he was one of the directors of the project for Disney World, and they were showing investors around the property at Disney World. And one of the investors said, it's too bad Walt Disney passed away last year, and he didn't get to see it. Mike Vance, the creative director, he said, you got it wrong. He saw it already. That's why it's here. That's the power of vision and the power of personal vision as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be here we are grateful that you have been guiding us. And maybe right now in the quietness of your heart, you just need to ask God to give you some guidance and clarity about your life. Where is it going? Where do you want it to be? Are you living in fear? Are you following wholeheartedly? Talk to God. Talk to him about these things. Maybe for some of you, the vision's very clear of your life and you need to ask for courage to take an action step. Heavenly Father, give me the courage to follow the vision you have for my life. God, I would pray that you would help us as a church to take the risk of following you wholeheartedly, no matter where that would lead us. And all of God's people said, amen.